Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Friends, hello, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I wanted to share with you, we had a, a parenting win this weekend, and it applies a little bit to what I want to talk to you about today on this episode. Jason and I were on our date night. We had just gotten our food, and we had a certain amount of time that we could eat, and then we were going to go pick up our daughter, daughter from her dance rehearsal. And I get this text from one of my one of my sons. And basically saying that he's having a hard time and he's just kind of, his thoughts and emotions were just going haywire and he wanted to talk. And it just wasn't a good time to sort of dive into all of that. And so I, I asked him to tell me some things you can do for a couple hours until I can get home and give you a call. And he, he said a couple of things that he was going to try. And I, I gave him a little bit of advice, a few little pointers, and just kind of reminded him that, you know, it's going to be okay. He's going to figure it out. He always does. And that, that we're, we're here to support him and we love him. And, you know, he, I think he, he was spinning on some unknowns and kind of anxious about some things. And, when I did get home and give and gave him a call, he answered the phone and he was sounded so happy and cheerful. And he says, Oh, I forgot that you were going to call me. He's like, I'm actually doing okay. I did this and I did that. And I, you know, just, he, he problem solved it. He figured it out and he was feeling a lot better. And I can't tell you how much a win that is. For him to, number one, recognize that he's having a hard time and that he could use some support. And then for him to advocate for himself by texting me. And then for him to be able to actually implement some of the things that he knows help him when he's struggling. And then he did. And I was just so pleased. It was just such a joy to see that he worked it out on his own. Um and that I was still able to support him in it, but didn't fix it for him. Didn't, you know, have to jump and rescue, but, but was there to support. And he figured it out. And that's a big, big win for this son of ours. And he's going to have struggles. And, and there's going to be more problems. There's going to be more unknowns or more things to get anxious about down the road. But that kind of a win tells me it's going to get easier and easier for him to, to work through those on his own and figure those out. And I want to talk about that today. How to, looking at fails and how we can turn those into wins. When you're mentoring a child, a teen, or a young adult, and it doesn't matter what, what role you're in, whether you're a parent or grandparent, a teacher, a coach, a therapist, or professional in some capacity, when you're working with a neurodivergent young person, you know that the scale of wins to fails 
is usually not tipped in their favor, okay? They start the game with many disadvantages because the rules, the, the environment of this game of life is kind of in our society, in our community, it's all designed and created mostly for neurotypicals. So how we view fails and how we help our neurodivergent young people view fails can help tip that scale more in their favor. More often than not, how we view fails and what we make them mean and what we do with them is often where the real failure lies. And it's often our response to failures that's way worse than the actual fails. And our response is often where the real wins can be found. So I want you to consider when something has gone wrong or, you know, we screw up, is that it? End of story, you fail, game over? Of course not. What does your brain do when things go wrong or even different than expected? Do you get stressed and anxious? Does your brain freak out a little bit or go haywire like my son said? What do you make it mean about you or your neurodivergent child, teen, or young adult? How we are in fails and how we respond to fails can make a big difference in whether we're supporting development or hindering it and making it even harder and slower or even digressing. So in this episode, I wanna help you see fails in a different light and maybe recognize the beautiful opportunities that we each have to turn fails into wins. So first off, you've gotta recognize that development is messy. Have you ever made a perfect pancake on your first pour of the batter onto the hot griddle? I have made hundreds of pancakes over the years and I know how to make pancakes. I'm actually pretty competent and proficient at making pancakes. I've had a lot of practice over the years and yet I've never made a perfect pancake on the first pour or in the first batch. Why is that? So that first pour, maybe the griddle's too hot or too cold. Maybe I rush it or I take too long to flip it. You know, or maybe the way I flip it is kind of sloppy or messy. You know, there's just like maybe the batter's off. It's too runny or it's too thick. So there's a lot of different factors that can go into a nice looking pretty pancake. And you know, by the end of the, the pancake making, usually, you know, you're just flipping them easy and you're whipping them out and you, you just, you get the groove and, or maybe you're just terrible at pancakes and that's not your thing. But I don't think any of us ever expect to get a perfect pancake on that first try or even the second or third sometimes. And those initial fails help us figure out what to adjust. Um, so if you're always perfect at things, then you're for sure not learning. You've already got it, right? So when you really think about it, how much a part of de the developmental process is failing versus success? It's actually most of it, okay? We fail, then we adjust, we fail, we kind of learn, we tweak, we fail again, 
you know, we, we do it too much or too little, we fail, and then we kind of start to get it, right? And we get a little better at it. And then we get kind of proficient at it. And then we're on to the next thing to learn or tackle or try. So if someone isn't failing much, then they're probably not being challenged. And if they're failing all of the time, then they're probably being challenged way too much. So they, so we need to back the expectations off or maybe add more supports in. But the real thing that, that this comes down to is what do we make fails mean? Because what we make these fails mean really matters. Are you using your fails or your child, teen, or young adult's fails against yourself or against them? You know, are we using our fails to beat ourselves up? And why do we do this sometimes? Fails are actually just neutral. They're just, they're not good or bad until we assign meaning to them. And if you believe fails are bad and mean something has gone wrong, then your brain will sense danger. And it goes into that, oh no, danger, this is bad. And then the lower brain the, gets stressed, right? The limbic system, the fight, flight, freeze, fawn mode kicks in. And our brain is doing its, what its job is, is to protect us from danger. And so when we think, you know, our, our brain interprets bad as danger, right? Bad equals danger to our brains. When you or your kiddo have internalized a belief that fails are bad, or at least not good, you miss out on all the rich opportunities that are available to you for growth and development. The kind of growth and development that only fails can give you. It's so helpful to recognize that fails hold a lot of valuable information and they're necessary. They are the way, they are the path of development. Fails are the stuff that wins are made of, okay? And what if we started to look at fails as something to be proud of? What if you were proud of your fails? And I'm not talking about self-sabotaging or failing because you gave up. I'm talking about fails because you're working on developing yourself. Good fails, helpful fails. Schools where we go to learn kind of mess us up a little bit because of how they grade. Grades seem to be all about showing the teacher what you know, right? If you get an A, it shows that you know the material and you can do it right. If you get an F, it means you don't know the material and you're wrong. And getting Fs at school or the potential to get an F kind of sends the message that fails are bad or that you're bad if you get fails, if you get Fs. And then we make it mean all kinds of things. We make grades mean so much more than they actually are probably wherever probably meant to mean, right? We make it mean that if you get good grades, you're, you're a good student. If you get bad grades, you're a bad student. Well, is that even true? Could a good student get a bad grade or a bad student could get a good grade sometimes? You know, or we, we make it mean if you get good grades, then you're going to be able to go to a good college and you're gonna have a good life. 
And if you get bad grades, that means you're not going to go to college and you're going to have a bad life. Like we kind of have this very black and white, all or nothing, A or F kind of thinking around grades. And I think sometimes we internalize messages that failing is bad. But grades don't actually reflect an individual's amount of learning or effort or whether they were challenged or not. I mean, you can have someone that just breezes through school and they never challenge themselves and they're really not developing into their full potential. And you could have someone that's really working at it and not getting great grades, but they're really developing and growing into their full potential, like through that process. And there's many people that have failed in school, but do go on to live very successful, happy lives. And there's many people that have gotten great, wonderful grades in school and high achieving, and they go on to be depressed and anxious and miserable in their life. Grades don't have anything to do with any of that stuff. But many of us have some of these internalized messages and beliefs that we've taken on that just aren't serving us. If proving competence and behavioral compliance is your goal, then you'll probably believe fails are bad. If you're just looking for competence, like proving it, or that this child, teen or young adult, is behaviorally compliant, then yes, a fail would mean bad. They aren't complying or they are not competent. But if supporting and mentoring your child, teen or young adult's development into who they are capable of, of becoming and, and want to become, if that's your goal, helping them be their best self, then you'll want to use fails for learning and turn them into wins again and again. Okay, and fails just mean that you're human and you are mentoring a human. And that if there's fails, that doesn't mean you're a bad mentor or a bad teacher or a bad coach or a bad professional. It just means someone is in the process of development. We get a lot of parents that come to our school, Techie for Life, um, that are either worried about enrolling their young adult at our school or they've, they've already enrolled them, but they're just super worried that their young adult is, is going to fail in our program or that, or that it's not going to work for their, for their kiddo. And they're, they're worried and anxious because they believe that nothing has worked to help their young adult. They've probably spent a lot of money and time and energy with providing, like previously providing therapies or other programs, and they just see that, that all those efforts fail to fix their son or daughter's problems. And if our program doesn't work, that, that, that this is going to be a bad, terrible thing, and they don't have anything left. They don't know what they're going to do. And... I think part of this is because they're believing that something outside their kid is going to be the solution and that problems are a bad thing. And what I what I offer to you is, and I, I try to offer to them, is to understand that when you start to view your job as a parent or as a professional, when we start to view our job as mentoring development, then you start to realize that this isn't about the therapy or the treatment or the thing. 
that those are just tools. And this is about developing a person and their process is going to be their process. And there's going to be a lot of trial and error in it. And sometimes we learn, oh, this thing didn't seem to give the result that we were hoping for. Or maybe the support wasn't supportive like we thought. And somewhere along that line, you start to figure out what is supportive and what is helpful and what makes your young person tick and what they actually need. And, and it's what we do at our school, actually. It's, it's this process of, okay, where are they at? And what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And where do they want to go? Like, what are they wanting out of life? What do they want to be? And then, okay, what are the gaps? What are the roadblocks? What are the, the obstacles in the way? And let's see if we can figure those out. What are the next developmental baby steps for this person to start tackling? How can we best support? How can we help them in their development? It looks different for every young adult. Every young adult comes with different experiences, different um, disabilities, different ways their brain works and things, different patterns that they've learned. And that's the fun part about being a mentor. That's the fun part about being a parent or a, a coach or a therapist or all those things. It's figuring out each unique person and what is supportive and, and getting to be a part of that developmental process. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of. And yeah, it's filled with some real uncomfortable, sometimes painful fails. But on the other side of those, when we stick with it and we don't freak out and get, get, um, go haywire about it, but when we take a look at what's happening and that this is part of the process, there's wins there. There's so many wins to be found. And when we recognize that fails are not bad, nothing's gone wrong, then we start to figure out the wins and we make those fails into wins. I, I hope this is helpful and, and sheds a little different perspective on these terrible, awful things that we call fails. I hope you have some fails this week. I hope you have some wins and I hope you have an amazing week. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com. dot